Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Anybody here ever skip breakfast because they're late? Mm-hmm. Happens, doesn't it? And I'll bet some of you guys do stuff after school, too. You got soccer practice, or maybe you're practicing your trumpet or stuff like that. Kids' life today is stressful. You get stressed out? I do. Man. You know, when I think back to when I was a kid, there was a lot of stuff that went on that that stressed me. Yeah. We moved a lot when I was a kid. And I had to go to a new school all the time. And I kind of get stressed, like, will I I have any friends at this new school? (laughs) You know, and then for the first couple weeks, it'd be like, who's going to be my friend? I get all stressed about that. Is anybody going to like me? Is anybody going to think I'm cool? What about this shirt I'm wearing? Is everybody going to laugh at me? And then picture day would come along and I'd have my comb and I'd be stressing about, does my hair look right because of picture day? I mean, there's so much stuff. To get stressed out about. And I'll be honest with you. There was one big thing that I used to get stressed out about when I was a kid. My mom and dad didn't always get along very well. Sometimes they would fight. And they would yell at each other. And when I would hear them fighting and yelling at each other. Oh man. (laughs) That used to stress me out a lot. I don't know exactly what you worry about or what you get stressed and and anxious over. But remember that passage? Remember our point for today? God meets all my needs. I want you to know that God knows what's going on inside your heart. And just like we just learned, sometimes the most stressful thing of all when we feel a guilty conscience. Have you ever felt a guilty conscience? Me too. I'll raise my hand on that one. And man, when you got all those sin rocks in your head and on your heart and it feels so heavy and you're carrying that backpack around all the time, that's stressful too. And that's why I want to show you a passage. There was a time... When King David was feeling a lot of stress, David was a great king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He thought the way God thinks. He felt the way God feels. But he was a sinner too. And sometimes David missed the mark. That's what sin means. Sometimes he got worried and anxious and upset about things. But do you know what he always did? In the end, when he was worried or guilty or ashamed, he went to who? Whom did he go to? What do do you think? Where did David go? To Jesus. You're exactly right. Now, I'm going to put a passage up behind me, and I'm going to read it. This is David talking in Psalm 38. He's committed a sin. He's feeling guilty. It's really weighing on him. It's it's like crushing him. Okay? This is what he says. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart 
All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. Can you imagine how hurting he was in his heart? Listen to those words, sighing and longings. But he says they're all open before you, Lord. My heart pounds. Have you ever felt that where you're really nervous about something and your heart is just jittering inside your chest? My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they plot deception. Do you know what deception is? It means lies. They were telling lies about David. Even his own friends. Can you imagine that? David says, I'm like a deaf man. I, I can't even hear nice words anymore. I'm like a deaf man who cannot hear, like a mute who cannot open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. It's like he's so nervous, so anxious, so ashamed and guilty. He goes, I have nothing to say. But then I want you to look carefully at the last verse. Would you guys, those of you who who would be willing to help me read the very last verse with me? It starts with, I wait right at the bottom. Do you see it? Read it with me. I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord, my God. As crushed as David felt, as worried and anxious as his heart was, look at what he says. I know that you'll show up, God. I'm just waiting here for you. I know that you're going to come and help me. So what's the first need that God meets in our lives? It's our heart needs. And I want all the adults to take out their crosswalk notes and write this down. God will meet all my emotional or my heart needs. That's the first. Oh, anybody here ever played Boggle? Boggle is so much fun. There's a, like, it's a word game and inside are these cubes and you shake it up like that. It's really cool. And then the letters fall down in there and then you try to solve a problem. And the problem that you're supposed to solve is how do you make words out of those letters by, by reading them? Are there any, like right there, you can see T H E the, that's a word and you make a word out of it. But here's the complicating factor. Remember how I showed you my watch and it was kind of, well, here's another kind of timepiece. Anybody know what that is called? What's that called? Yeah, it's a timer or. A sand timer, and some people with a big one call it an hour glass. This one is really just a minute glass. And here's the deal. You have just one minute to think up all the words and solve the problem of those words. Just one minute. It's a little, little tense. But here's what I'm going to do to show you kind of what that feels like. I'm going to give you a problem, but not a word problem. I'm going to give you a problem, and I want you to think about this problem. And I'm going to turn this over, and for one minute, you're going to help me solve the problem. Okay? Here's my problem. I'm kind of hungry. And 
when I get home from church this afternoon, I have to eat lunch. Okay? Would you help me think of some good things that Julie should cook for me? This... Would you do that? Because that's, you know, I really need a good lunch today, right? Okay, ready? Wait, up. Not turned over yet. Hands down. Ready? Go. Okay, what? Um, a sandwich. A sandwich. Oh, I love sandwiches. A hamburger? Grilled cheese is awesome. Chicken nuggets. We could maybe even cheat and go to McDonald's or something like that. Okay? Hot dog. No, guys, come on, man. It's running. What about dessert? I love sugar. Ice cream. Ice cream. A donut. I think I know where I can find a donut even before lunch, dude. I'm probably going to do that. Yep. What's that? Cake. Yeah. Okay. We still got some time. A brownie. Cookies. Ice cream sundae. What's that? Fruit. Oh, this girl's a health nut. I love that. Okay. Salad. That's very healthy. Oh, a oh, oh, what bar? A Mars bar. Now you're talking my language, dude. Yeah, fruit salad. Okay. It's not quite a minute. We'll set it up here and we'll let the minute play out. Now, can I tell you something sad? You ready? Because this, this is really sad. Did you know that every minute in our world, 17 people die from hunger? Every minute, 17 people die from hunger. Guess what? Here's an even sadder note to that. Of those 17, 13 of them are how old? They're children just like you. And only four of the 17 are adults. Doesn't that make you think that every time a minute passes, 17 people die from hunger? Because they're so hungry, they don't have enough food, and and eventually they just die. Now, would you love to be a person that could help create and plan a solution to that? Wouldn't that be cool? If, if we could do something and maybe less people in our world would die from hunger, if we could solve that problem, that'd be much better than solving a boggle word, word problem, wouldn't it? Now, how do you do that? Well, there was once another king who was the son of King David. And guess what his name was? Anybody know? Yeah? Solomon. Excellent. And Solomon wanted to be the wisest king in the world. What do you think he did so that he could become the wisest, smartest king? Do you think he went to a lot of school? I think he might have gone to some school. Think he went to the best college? Maybe Solomon went to Harvard. Probably not. What do you think he did? 
Oh, beautiful. Can you say that louder? Because that's exactly right. He asked God for wisdom. He believed that God has the answer to the world's problems, problems like hunger. And he wanted to be a good king. Even though his father, David, had been a great king, a faithful king, there were still a lot of problems in his country. And he wanted to be able to help his people solve those problems. And so he did exactly the right thing. He asked God to help him be smarter and wiser. Joda, would you put that passage up? Look at this. Look at what it says. This is Solomon's prayer. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child. Look at how humble he is. He really wasn't still a child. But he said, really, in in terms of being smart, I'm only a child. Do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart. A smart mind to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord. Do you notice what it says? Let's all read that one together. Verse 10, the bottom one. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Did that make God happy that Solomon asked for wisdom? It sure did. You see, here's what I think Solomon knew already. He knew a truth that was first expressed in the poetry of the book of Job. And that's the passage that I put in our crosswalk notes. Let me find that again. Well, got to find my crosswalk notes first. All right. Let's all read this one together. Can you read this one with me? Everyone, can you bring forth... The constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clouds of earth stick together? I want you to notice especially that verse that says, Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? And you know what the answer to that is, don't you? It's God. Because God meets all our needs. He does. And that includes our brain needs, our mind needs, our intellectual needs. He gives our hearts wisdom and our minds all they need to have understanding and solve problems. Anybody know what this is? It is a flower. Anybody know what kind of flower it is? Not roses. Daisy, not a daisy. It's yellow like a daisy. You know what it is? It's a lily. Thank you so much. 
How, how does a lily eat? We were just talking about a lot of hungry people. How does a lily eat? Water. Do you notice something special about how God made flowers like this lily? Did you notice that these leaves are kind of like each one of them a little cup that will catch the rain and then pour it out the end of the leaf like that when the water gets heavy on it and it goes right down to what part of the flower? The roots are under there. Now a lily is special because it has something down underneath here that allows it to store energy for a long time. I wonder if you know what that is. It's something other than roots. Uh Uh-huh. Well, there's soil there, definitely. You know what it is? It's a bulb. Anybody know what a bulb is? You, You might think of a light bulb, but this is actually like a little onion that's attached to the roots down here in the soil. Okay, that's what a bulb is. And that allows the lily to catch the energy. And even in the winter when it gets cold and all the top part dies, there's still that huge seed, that bulb that's down there with all that energy. And then when the spring comes around and it warms up again, it sprouts these beautiful leaves and and branches. By the way, you see how pretty that flower is? Why do you think God made the flower so pretty Mm -hmm. okay so it could live that's a good answer bees you are one smart girl a pretty flower attracts insects because they see that beautiful flower and you see this part up here that's where the bees go and they pollinate so that more lilies can come up and they reproduce God has the lilies all taken care of. Man, that's pretty cool. Do you remember that Jesus said, take a look at the lily? And do you remember what Jesus said about looking at lilies that we should stop doing when we look at lilies? Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't say stop picking them, although... It's okay if you transplant it into a nice pot like this. You know what he said? Stop your worrying. When you worry about stuff, you're forgetting the lily. Joda, would you put that passage up for us? Notice what it says. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans? That's the unbelievers. Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Huh? Did you hear that? Yeah. I think the lily said something to me. Huh? Uh-huh. Wow. That's kind of strange. It can't talk. The lily asked if I could 
have God provide a video game for it. Have you ever heard of a flower that plays video games? Why wouldn't God give the flower a video game? The flower's kind of complaining. How come God hasn't given me a video game yet? Because? Okay, flowers don't have hands, and the flower really doesn't need a video game, does it? If you remember that passage, what it promises is that you will have everything you need. Right, it doesn't have eyes. No. So I guess it doesn't need a video game, but it does need water, and it does need to be beautiful. Let me ask you guys something. Do you ever worry about what you wear? Mm-hmm. You know what? This morning I had to get up and pick what I was going to wear to church today, you know? Yeah, and I had to think about that. Do you ever worry about what you're going to eat? And we need those things. But God says... Don't waste time worrying about them because I will provide them for you. Keep your eye on the lily. Oh, oh. And by the way, did you notice that there's one other thing we can learn from the lily? Really important. And why a lot of churches put lilies up in front on Easter? We just celebrated Easter last Sunday. You know what you can also learn from the lily? During the winter when it's cold... And everything's concentrated down in that bulb. How does the lily look? It looks dead. But in the spring, because of all that energy stored up in the bulb, new life comes out. You know what? Jesus promises that we, you, me, when we believe in Jesus as our Savior, even though we die, We will live again through faith in Jesus, through faith in the forgiveness of sins and the perfect rightness that he gives to us. Okay? Hmm. I have one last thing I want to show you guys. One last thing. Anybody have one of these? This is called a Swiss Army knife. Uh-huh, your mom has it. She's not letting you use it, huh? All right, I'll talk to her about that. You might be a little young yet. Okay. You know what's cool about this? This was invented over 100 years ago. Man, that's a long time ago. But here's what's cool about a Swiss Army knife. It's got all kinds of, like, really, really cool tools in here. There's openers. There's a scissors in here. There's even a saw in here somewhere. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to open this one because that's the most important one. There's all kinds of really cool stuff. Look, here's a corkscrew so that when mom and dad want to enjoy a glass of wine, you know, they can get that wine bottle opened up. There's all kinds of really awesome stuff. But even though this tool does so many things, just like we said today about Jesus, right? The flower shows us he meets our physical needs, our body needs, right? And we, we learned 
from the boggle game and the timer that he meets our intellectual or our brain needs. We learn from my watch that even when we're stressed, he'll meet, he'll meet our emotional needs. Jesus is sort of like this knife. He meets all our needs, whatever we need. But you know what? I have never once heard this called a Swiss army scissors. Nope. And I've never heard it once called a Swiss army corkscrew. Or a Swiss Army can opener. Do you know what it's always called? It's always called a Swiss Army knife. You know why? Why? Well, part of it is the Army guy needs a knife, right? That's true. But another part of it is the main job of this is to be a knife. Even though it does all these other things, the main job is to cut. Okay? What's Jesus' main job? If Jesus is like this knife, he meets our heart needs. He meets our mind needs. He meets our body needs like the lily teaches us. What's Jesus' main job what do you call jesus more than any other name you call him my savior right jesus is my savior and the biggest need of all that jesus meets for us is he cuts away our sins did you see when jesus came out before and he put that backpack and he took them all away didn't he When you have a big pack of sins and guilt weighing you down, know that Jesus is going to take them all away. He's going to cut them all away. What do you notice about this, by the way? What's what's the problem here on the tip? One time when I was using it, what did I do? Right. I what did I do to it? I broke it. Exactly. Did you know that Jesus was broken for you and me? Being our savior. The Bible tells us that not one of his bones was broken. But in many other ways he was broken for us. Look at this passage. In Isaiah 53 it says. Surely this is talking about Jesus. He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced. For our transgressions. You know what transgressions are? That's a big word for? God. No. No. For sin. For sin. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's another word for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All our sin is taken away. The main thing that Jesus does for us is to be our Savior. And by being our Savior from sin, he takes perfect care of our spirit needs, our spiritual needs. Listen to what it says in the last passage that I have. And I'm going to ask everybody to read it together with me again. Will you do that? Let's all read it together. Ephesians 2, 4 to 10, which tells us so beautifully... 
how Jesus is our Savior from sin. And it uses this amazing word called grace. Jesus did that because he loves us, even though we did nothing to earn or deserve his love. Let's read together. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus is your Savior, and he is the Savior of everyone in this room. He is the Savior of the entire world. Because he was willing to be broken for you and for me and for the world. That's his love, his grace. So God will meet all your spiritual needs too. Now, can we go back through those one last time? God meets all my needs in Jesus. First of all, he meets my what needs? My heart needs, right? Okay, and then secondly of all, he meets my brain needs, right? And then he meets my, no, not yet, bodily needs. He gives me food and clothing, right? Check out this shirt. He gave it to me. And then lastly, deep down inside of me is my spirit and my soul. Jesus meets my spiritual needs, too. In fact, just like we read, God meets all my needs. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you so much that you sent me Jesus. In Jesus, all my needs are met, whether they're my heart needs, my mind needs, my body needs, and especially, Lord, my spirit needs are met by Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to go all the way to the cross for me. Thank you that because he did that, his perfect rightness is mine now. And my backpack is empty. All I have is his perfect record that I can stand before God with. And have God say to me, you are not guilty. What an amazing truth that is, God, that you've given to me. Thank you for cutting away all my sins, all my guilt, all my shame. Thank you for being my perfect Savior, Jesus. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.